Three to seven can go to children's church. Three to seven. Hey, Bo. Jeremy. Didn't fly. Frisbee. Everybody else, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 11. Genesis chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 11. While you're turning there, let me say on the 20th of this month, we're going to have a, our annual bow shoot. This year it's going to be at my house. Um, if you don't know how to get there, I can give you directions. We'll start at 7.30 and we're going to, it'll probably take a couple hours to shoot and then we're going to cook something to eat and just fellowship. So if you need anything on that. I was telling you three weeks ahead of time that well, you ain't got no excuses. Drag your stuff out and dust it off and come have a good time with us. After church, y'all ask when it is and what time, and I'll tell you again. All right, I know we're running a little bit late this morning. I'm going to kind of condense this, but I'm not going to condense it too much because i got something I really want to share with you this morning. Um, just by a show of hands, if you still got kids living at home, raise your hand. Man, y'all look at that. Ain't that good? Man, God's blessed us with a, with a church full of young people and young parents and blessed you with kids if you have them and maybe some of you have grandkids that you're raising and that's a good thing. <coughs> so I wanted to talk to you this morning looking in Genesis chapter 6. If you would, if you're a parent, even a grandparent this morning, if you're not still, I'd ask you to pay attention and maybe jot some notes. Maybe you can go back and look at them later and, and uh, write some stuff down, apply it in your life. All right. Let me see where I want to start. Looking in, uh, I'll just read to you no, uh, Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 1. So now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth... And daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of whom they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man forever or convict man, wrestle with a man's heart to draw him to truth. He said, it will not always strive with man forever for he indeed is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only <clears throat> continually evil. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Very important verse right here, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> now when you look at, when you look at this, and later in, in the book of Matthew and Luke chapter 21, Matthew chapter 24, 
Jesus compares the last days with this time in history with Noah. He said, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Let me get this fixed. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And he talks about how things were. And, you know, I told you here a couple of weeks ago, we went to Austin for a day. And, you know, I'm from the country and I like it that way. And uh, there's a song like that, ain't there? Anyhow, um, so I'm pretty sheltered and I like to be sheltered if I can for the most part. Um, and you live how you want to live. But anyhow, being there... One of the things that I saw that really bothered me, not only multiple open homosexual people and that kind of stuff, which uh, bothered me really bad, but one of the things that I that I saw that just stuck with me was walking through the mall and was going down through there in the stores, and I looked over, and uh, there was some mannequins in the storefront, and they had little kids' mannequins there dressed up, and they were all wearing rainbow-colored clothes, you know, the rainbow... <laughs> To this, to the homosexual agenda is a sign that promotes homosexuality. And I just looked at that and I saw those kids and I thought, our, our culture, part of our culture is so bent on demonizing our kids and capturing them away to prove and to try to, try to infilter their brain and their mind with accepting what, what the Bible explicitly calls sin towards God. It's not another alternative lifestyle. It's sin, whether you like it or not. And, and I know that probably a lot of people have people in your lives and family, maybe they're involved in a homosexual agenda and a movement and maybe they're involved in homosexuality and I'm not attacking those people. I will attack the I will attack the action because it's a sin and it's an abomination towards God, just like lying and being prideful and those things are also. So let's call it for what it is. But here's the thing that I want you to see. And if anybody wants to, you know, question me on that after church, I'd I, you know I'd love to take the scripture and go, look, this is what it says, you deal with it yourself. I'm, I'm not attacking that. What I am saying is, I'm gonna call it black and white. It's, it's sin. It's wrong, and and I'll never accept it as a as a alternative lifestyle and, and that kind of stuff. I'll let God be the judge. But but when you look at this text right here, that's what's going on. God is the judge. And as we look, not just homosexuality, but what bothered me was the way they're trying to, to with our kids nowadays, TV and the media and all the stuff is they're trying to kidnap Satan is trying to kidnap your kids. And I'm talking to young parents today, especially trying to trying to capture kids and, and indoctrinate them with a bunch of junk that's going to bring about judgment. There's a judgment. It's an inevitable judgment, an impending judgment that's coming to this world, to this country, uh, not just because of, because of homosexuality. I think that that is what what we have brought it to, but a lot of that also hinges on. God's people not doing what we're called to do. The Bible said judgment must first begin at the house of God. And so I'm not finger pointing and bashing today, but I want to bring out to the point that we live in a time that was just like in the days of Noah. And the Lord said, when you see these things coming about, you need to start paying attention and looking because his return is is imminent. It's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime. Man, it's really possible. But especially with your kids, your little ones, that's going to grow up and be adults in this culture. Even if the Lord doesn't return in their life, you need to prepare them because ultimately they're going to stand before the Lord and the culture is trying to rob them of, of their relationship with God, of truth. 
you know, and as a church, especially when you get it down to where the Lord started in a family, it didn't start in church, it started in a family, to where it is your responsibility to teach your kids truth and to show them who Jesus is so they at least have the opportunity to make a clear decision of whether they want to follow Jesus or whether they're going to follow after the world. Don't leave that to the culture, to the public school system, to a college, to a Sunday school lesson, or to a preacher. That is, that is the greatest opportunity you have as a parent to lead your child to Jesus and show them who Jesus is and teach them the truth. And so in that, you know, oftentimes when we look at, when we look at the world the way it is, and uh, the condition is, I could stand up here and go on and on how awful things are. I'm not going to do that this morning. What I want to do is say, when you look at this text right here, there is a great hope. There's a great hope if you're here this morning. Like, what am I supposed to do raising my kids up in this culture? You know what? God's in this culture. You understand that? It's not, we're not defeated and, and it's not over. There's a great hope. Just like the Lord was going to bring a judgment upon this. But, but here's the thing I want to point out to you this morning. I hope that you, that you see and it gives you some hope. In verse eight, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now I want you to look real quick in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to give you something that you can do, if you care, today about your kids and about your family. It's not just kids and grandkids, but it's husbands and wives. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 11, look in, um, let me find it, in verse 7. It's talking about living a life by faith, trusting in the Lord. It says in verse 7, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things. That means God spoke to Noah, just like he speaks to us in his word. Being divinely warned of things not yet seen, not yet seen. What happened? He moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. I want you to get that. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, wasn't, a, wasn't a church, it wasn't a preacher, it was Noah. And for, for the men here today, I want you to understand that you have been divinely warned by God. You have God's word. You've been given the gospel, especially if you've been here for a little while, time and time again. Every one of us know that, that, that there is a judgment upon sin, that there's a judgment upon the, uh, uh, like it says in Romans chapter one, approving of that sin. So it's not just involving ourselves in sin, but it's just going along with what's going on, you know, in darkness and in this world and the evil that was, that's going on here. Just to go along with it, God's called His men to teach their children and divinely warn them of what's coming in to prepare an ark for the saving of your family. And I want to talk to you this morning about preparing an ark to the saving of your family. If you look back in, in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 6, where will be the rest of the time, <clears throat> Noah prepared an ark to save his family. And I want you to just think about this as not, not just salvation as far as where you go when you die, but simply saving them from some of the judgment and some of the things that's going to come upon them. If they involve their lives, listen to me, if you walk like the world, even as a believer, even as a believer, if you walk like the world and you live like the world and you involve yourself in darkness, just as Lot did, Lot suffered a great loss in his family. And if we as believers, you know, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven and, and, and that kind of stuff, and we raise our kids up to be like the world and to walk in the world and live like the world, don't be, don't be surprised when you suffer great loss. 
So in that, you do have hope to where you can say, you know what? I can raise my children up and I can build my ark of grace. A family of grace that we walk in and live in God's favor and God's blessings and God's salvation and the righteousness of God to where I don't have to expect to get what the rest of the world is going to get. I don't expect that. That's not my expect. I have a great expectation, not only for myself, but I have a great expectation for my, for my children and my grandchildren. And if I have great grandchildren, I don't expect the things that's going to happen to the world is going to happen to them. I don't, I don't expect that at all. You know why? Because I want to build an ark of grace and I want to influence them for the Lord as much as possible. And that's exactly what Noah does here. He doesn't go along with the culture. And the greatest thing that impacted his life, and the greatest thing will impact anybody's life, is where it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It doesn't say he earned grace. He achieved grace. He, he was went to church enough that he got grace. said he found grace. Grace is basically the divine influence of Jesus and his presence in your life. Now, you ought to be able to look at your life and answer the question, have you found grace? The Bible says you're saved by God's grace. We find grace because we humbly look to God, looking for mercy that we don't deserve, believing and trusting in Jesus. And when we trust in Jesus, we find grace in the eyes of the Lord. God pours out His grace, His influence, especially in the New Testament as a believer. The Spirit of God residing within us. You ought to look at your life and go, oh yeah, I've got the influence of God in my life. I can see the influence of God in my, just like Noah, with his family, with his marriage, the way that he lived, the way that he heard God, the way that he responded to the Word of God. God's grace and God's influence in your life should just be undeniable. That's how you know that you're a born-again believer. If you don't see the influence of God's grace in your life, then you're not a born-again believer. You understand that, okay? And so when you look at that, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And grace transformed his life. But I want you to also notice, it wasn't just something on the inside. You know, if you keep reading there, it says Noah was just. Okay, let me get, let me skip over that. Let me, get, let me back up. Grace, sometimes what we do is we've got this idea that that our relationship with God is something that's just, you know, it's inside, you can't see it, it's spiritual, it's a thing between me and the Lord. But that's not true because if you've been transformed by grace on the inside, you're going to be transformed by grace on the outside. You see, Noah had a, had a spiritual ark. He was saved in the ark of grace that God provided for him on the inside. That's what caused him to respond in a godly fear and move to build an ark and it changed the physical part of his life. If you've got Christ on the inside, you're going to see the outcome of that on the outside. It's not just going to be something between you and Jesus on a Sunday. It's going to be something that you see the influence of God's grace in every area of your day, every life, every day. You're going to see the Lord moving in your life, and He's going to be leading you and guiding you and directing you, and you're going to respond to that, and you're going to be obedient to that, and it's going to cause something that's different. And one of the things that I noticed here that really just stuck out to me was weird that it stuck out to me and it is in verse 9 it says this is the genealogy of Noah Noah was a just man means he did what was right in the sight of God justice you know the Bible says seek justice love mercy and walk humbly with your God justice means I'm going to do what's right towards me and other people I'm going to do what's right according to God's word I don't care what the world says 
you know, they can pass laws, they can do all kinds of stuff to go, you know what, you're going to accept this type of lifestyle. No, I'm not. And, and, and they can make it okay to, to take a life, and they can say that it's alright because they sign a bill to do this or do that, but if it's contrary to the Scripture, justice means I'm going to go by the Scripture, like it or lump it. That's what that's what just means, okay? There was no justice in the days of Noah, and we're seeing that there's coming to a place there's no justice in our days. And even though we've got people sitting up there in Congress and they have a title and they've been voted elected, you know, it's a den of thieves is what it is. And there's there's very little justice there. And just because you hold a title, I don't care even if it's the President of the United States, just because you hold that title and you pass that law, you are not just in the sight of God if you're contrary to the Word of God. And so Noah stood for what was just and he was a perfect in all generations. It doesn't mean he didn't sin. It means that he walked in righteousness. Okay? That he, that he, that he walked with the Lord. Okay? And then it goes on down. That's what it says. Noah walked with God. Most important thing is apparent that you walk with God. Not that you just go to the house of God. That you go to church and you just worship God. Your kids need to see a walk. A walk is something you do every day. The influence of God's grace that your kids see that Jesus is in you. That he's coming out of you. That he's alive through you. And that he's the one who's the Lord of your life. And then notice, this is the verse I saw that stood out. Verse 10, Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. See, because here's the thing. Grace just doesn't affect you. The ark didn't just affect Noah. Noah built the ark to the saving of his family. It, it affected his wife. It affected his three sons. It affected their three wives. It wasn't just little. Okay, They were probably little when they started off. And the whole life Noah spent building that ark, raising his children up, preparing them for that, that point in time, and teaching them the ways of the Lord, influencing their lives in the things that he was doing through that. And they became men who still honored and respected their daddy. And, and they respected what they were taught, how they were influenced, and all of that led to the saving of an entire family. And by the raising of hands, some of you today could say, I have, you know, maybe they maybe your name Ham, Shame and Japheth, but you've got your kids. And you're the one who holds the influence on their lives. And don't buy into the what the culture tries to, to, to spill on you to say, well, you gotta let your kids make their own decision, you know. We don't, we don't force our kids to go to church when they're three. We let little Johnny make his own decision. I'm thinking, really? You let little Johnny make his own decision about if he's gonna play in a six lane highway? Do you let little Johnny decide whether he's going to, you know, be a little boy or be a little girl? Because if you do, you're an absolute moron, you know, and you're, you're just leading your kids. What you're doing is you're influencing them to a pathway of destruction. God gave you those kids. He gave you those kids, and you're the parent. You're supposed to be the smart one, and, and I think you are. You've got them here, and I praise God for the parents in this church who are raising their kids up under under the influence of God's grace, and you're training them up like the Bible said, train them up in the way they should go. As a parent, I should train my child up. It doesn't just become natural. If you're a Navy SEAL, you have to go through training, and if you're a child, you need to be trained as a child so that you can be productive as an adult. And God gives that training to the parents. That's what we're called to do. Not just, you know, hopefully we can corral these kids up and, and keep them alive till we get them to be adults. God blesses you, man. You ought to love your kids and love every opportunity. That God gives you to raise them for his glory. For one thing our culture has done, starting with abortion, it is so belittled the importance of kids. 
And Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. And so if you have kids, please, listen to me. I know it's easy to make excuses about, I don't know the Bible, and I don't know, you know, I'm not comfortable praying, all those. You know what? You, you, gotta, you have to get past all that. We're not talking about if this is going to influence their job, their career. You know, we're talking about eternity. We're not just talking about your eternity, their eternity. You're talking about generations that you're going to influence one way or the other. And so I do want to give you some hope. I'm running out of time quickly. So how do you raise your children up in such a way that you're building an art to the saving of your family? I just want to give you a couple of things. Number one is Noah was different. He chose a different route. That's that's something we don't like to do. We don't like to be different. We're kind of like a herd people, naturally. We just want to be like the rest of the herd. No matter where the herd's going, if they're running off a cliff, we're running with them. We don't want to say, you, if you're going to raise your children up in this culture, in this day and time, and raise them in such a way that you're raising a grace family to where they're going to be influenced to follow Jesus, then you, you have got to live different. Not just raise them different, but we as parents and grandparents, we have to be different. Listen to me. You can throw a diamond in the toilet and it'll flush with everything else. And if you just throw your kids to the culture, I promise you they're going to get flushed with everything else. And they're going to experience the same things. And don't be surprised when they're little bitty, if you're not bold enough or you have enough courage, you know. And that's what I call it. If you're a man, you should have enough courage to go, I'm going to be the one to teach my kids to pray. I'm going to be the one that teaches my kids what a husband or a wife should look like and how they should treat. I'm going to be the one who teaches my kids the scripture. And if I don't know it, then we're going to learn it together. I'm going to be the one to show them that God is great and that he is good and that his power is real in and through my life. I want them to know Jesus because they see him in me. And I'm not going to leave that blessing to a pastor or to a youth pastor or to my, you know, my mama, uh, you know, a grandparent. I'm going to be the one that seizes that honor. Because here's the thing, men and ladies, you're going to give an account, not only for your soul, but for theirs. You're going to give an account. And when I stand before the Lord, I don't want to look to my pastor or to a youth pastor go, hey, wasn't you the one we paid to, to teach the kids up? When somebody says, who's going to give account for Jeremy and Cody or Christian? I'm going to gladly stand and go, I'll give that account. I'll give that account. I don't need nobody else answering for my kids. I want to answer for my kids and for their raising. Not that I did it all right, but I sure ain't just throw it to somebody else. I kind of won in sports. I wanted to handle the ball. Amen. <laughs> don't, don't be a bench rider. Boy, you are really quiet this morning. And if this is getting to you, maybe you need to get up and go or whatever. But y'all are making me nervous about being so quiet. Everybody say amen. All right. And so I'm going to skip that part. All right. That way I can go hold y'all forever. But I, like I say, I'm not going to go too fast. So he raised his, what I mean by different is, number one, Noah lived differently than everybody else. Number two, his marriage was different. Everybody there was polygamous and jumping from one wife to another, divorced this one, divorced that one, and, and all kind of stuff that was going on, marrying, intermarrying ungodly people with, with the godly line. That's what caused all this, all kind of compromise and everything going on. Listen to me. You've got to, if you want to, if you want to build an art to the saving your family, number one, it starts with you. Number two, it starts with how you treat your husband or your wife. 
Now, can you imagine if your husband came home today and said, I heard from the Lord, the Lord said there's going to be a, you know, this is just illustration, going to be a flood. It's never rained before. At this time, it had never rained. The Lord said, water's going to fall from the sky. He's going to destroy everybody, including animals, and we got to build a boat out here in the middle of nowhere where there's no water. And his wife went, okay. Now, how hard would that be? Sometimes as wives, they, in our day and time, we have a hard time just trusting the husband to make one simple decision. But that wife was very different. And Noah was very different. He didn't just make a stupid decision. It said he heard from the Lord. And he made his decision according to the scripture. He led his wife and family in the way of the Lord. He was very different. He was different in the way that he raised his children. This is kind of where I want to to hone in on. One thing I noticed was, like I said a while ago, those boys, the whole family, they were, the cool thing is they were a tight knit. I mean, don't give your family to the culture. Just because the culture said, well, this is how your kids ought to be and this is how you ought to do it, and this is how we do it and, and you're weird if you don't do it this way. Well, then be different. Be weird. It's okay. Because if you're common, that's weird to me. If you go along with the things that this culture is teaching, that's absolutely weird. And so I want to be different, and I want to, I want my family to be very different from the average family. When you look at statistics, I don't want to fit into those statistics. I want to be very different. I want to raise my children, my grandchildren, very different. And I would tell my kids that if you've, God's blessed you with kids, and man, the Lord has really blessed Mandy and Jeremy, say, don't you dare raise those kids like the world teaches you to raise them. And they're not, and I'm very proud of that. And here's the thing, can you imagine? And here's what you're going to get. Well, I, I don't want, I don't think anybody here's named Johnny, so if you'll allow me, if you are, that's not personal. But, you know, some of us as parents go, I don't want little Johnny to look different. I don't want him, I don't want him to be stuck out. Thank you, brother. I don't want him to be stuck out at school and he's going to get made fun of and, and this and that. Well, number one, you know, he teaches on, maybe he don't need to be in public school. You deal with that yourself. There's a lot of alternatives. I think public schools straight from the devil. And I know we got teachers, and I'm not saying teachers are from the devil. I'm just saying what your kids learn in a public school system, not even in the education, even though that's terrible nowadays, and they're indoctrinating homosexuality there. But what your kids are learning from other kids, maybe we could change their environment. But you know what? Here's the thing. If you're going to send them there, you better prepare them to be different, to stand out, to be weird. To be made fun of. To be ridiculed. Sometimes little Johnny needs to learn to take care of business. That's just, that's just, that's probably not scripture, but that's, have a lot, lot less problems like that. <clears throat> Y'all do what you want to. Alright, I'll raise my hand. I do. But here's the, here's the thing. Think about, I want you to think about this. Get in this mentality. If you're one of those people who go, I don't, I want to dress them the same. I want them to be able to go and do the same things. It's okay if they go to this environment. It's okay if they go with this group. Because if they don't, then they're weird. And they really need to be involved in that. You know, otherwise they're going to be kind of, they're going to stand out. Listen to me. How weird and unusual and fanatical was this family? When everybody else was walking around going, you know, I'm sure Ham, Sham, and Japheth heard it from the other kids. Well, your dad is a nut. What are y'all doing? What do you mean you can't come over and go to the party tonight? You're building a boat. You're building a boat in the middle of the desert? Water's going to fall from the sky? Where's this water? We've never seen this water fall from the sky. Look, the sun is shining. Everything's good. You're missing all the fun. And they was like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna go over here and work on the, working on the ark. You're such a fanatic! 
You know, work on the ark one day a week, but you're working on it every day. You're getting so careful. And listen, look, your daddy's up there standing on this half-built boat preaching to us, telling us that God's going to judge us and kill us. Man, where is this God? We don't see him. We don't see the rain. We don't see the judgment. And just see, it got worse. And as it went on, it got worse. They begin to curse and carry on. But we're worried about just being rejected because we don't wear the right kind of blue jeans. You understand what I'm saying? Some of us do ridiculous things to make sure that our kids fit in. Don't let them fit in. Let them fit out. Teach them to fit out. Teach them it's good to fit out. Teach them it's good not to be like everybody else, but that you be who you are because of who you are inside. And I'll tell you kids this. If you have a godly parent, mom and daddy who loves Jesus and lives for the Lord, and you're ashamed of them, you ought to be ashamed. Your parents loves you more than any moron you go to school with. And they'll have a greater sacrifice and influence on you than anybody else the rest of your life. And you ought to stand up for your mom and daddy, even if it means fighting. <laughs> you can take that for what it is, all right? This mess is going to get me in a lot of trouble. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Let's, let's go on so I can finish. Say, so where did Noah get this kind of faith? I won't read it for time's sake, but if you'll, if you'll look over in an earlier chapter there in chapter 5, it says where Noah came from. Who was his great-great-granddaddy? Enoch who was a preacher and a prophet of righteousness, who had a testimony that he walked with the Lord, he was pleasing to God, and God took him. He didn't even die. The Lord took him. And then you've got Methuselah, who was, who was, one of the, who was the oldest man in history, 969 years old. And his name meant, when he dies, judgment comes, basically, is what it meant. And the Lord warned people through this whole family. And you had his daddy, whose name was Lamech, who, who named Noah comfort and rest because he was looking in faith of what God was going to do through his son. And so that seed of grace and righteousness came from generations. Noah was a fourth generation. His kids were the fifth generation. We've actually got people in this church that, you, that you're a fourth and fifth generation of a grace family. And if you're not part of that, maybe you need to be the first generation of a grace family to start something that's going to carry throughout your generations and you're going to influence one family after another family after another family. It doesn't just happen. God puts us in these roles and these positions so that we can influence and move in that direction. Just like Noah did. Man, you ought to be a mover. I'm not saying Bible thump your kids and beat them to death with it, but... What caused Noah to go, I wanna, I wanna live like my, my daddy, I wanna live like my grandpa, I wanna live like my great grandpa, instead of living like the majority, because he saw the goodness and the power of God in their life. And they ought to see the goodness and the power of God in our lives. That caused them to go, I don't wanna be like y'all, because I see what God's doing in, in my mom and in my dad and in my grandparents, and I want what they have, and they have that because of Jesus. So finishing up with this very quiet crowd, hopefully, hopefully you are thinking about this. And I, but here's the thing, because this is this is probably I don't want to even read it, but I'll just tell you the story. And you can read it later yourself. I think the best part of this whole story was this. I can't imagine the ridicule and the shame and and the humility and everything that went along with living this kind of life. You know, some people think that if you're a preacher's kid, you got it hard. Being a preacher's kid ain't nothing compared to what they went to. Being a strong believer in this culture is not even comparable to this. And you can imagine the difficulty that it was sitting up there. Not only the difficulty of trying to build this boat, but listen to everybody gathered up yakking at you, ridiculing, mocking, cursing. It would have been just like the crowd at the cross of Jesus. 
If you're the Son of God, call upon Him and tell Him to save you. He'll come down and get you. He'll come down off this cross. And it was the ridicule and the mockery of what they could only see. <laughs> Imagine and, and when God called Noah and his family into the ark, because that's where God was. He was inside. And He called them into His grace. And all of the family, grown men and women, walk into the ark and say, God shut the door. They didn't shut it. God shut the door. And when God shuts the door, man doesn't open it. Listen to me this morning. If you're here this morning and you think about the return of Christ, you're sitting here, you're sitting here telling me that you think you believe this myth and this fairy tale of something that we have never seen. Something we have no documented history of that all of a sudden the sky's gonna roll back like a scroll and Jesus is gonna ride a horse out of the air. You're telling me that that's what you're living your life and teaching your kids, you know, how uneducated, ignorant, and stupid is that? That's what I'm teaching mine. That's what I'm looking for, okay? And you can sit there and think, that's the craziest thing I've ever said, I've heard. You know, I'm more of a science person and that kind of stuff. But here's the thing, those people had the same attitude. They were looking up and they was like, where is it? And for seven days after God called them into the ark, it sat there for seven days. And those people outside like, won't y'all come outside? It's not gonna rain, you're crazy, you're morons. And knowing the people, they probably said, let's burn the boat. But here's the thing. Can you imagine what it was like when the first drop fell? Can you imagine what it was like? When all those people sitting there ridiculing and mocking. And I imagine it being a man, somebody on a boat probably sitting there listening to the crowd. Maybe starting to wonder if they're right. Man, I lived 120 years. I devoted my whole life to this. God, I believed you. I trusted you. I raised my family. Here we are in a dry boat and it's not raining. But listen to me all of a sudden. When the rain started and the ground started shaking because it said the fountains of the deep were broken up. Can you imagine being on the outside of that boat? All of a sudden every mouth became quiet. Other than the panic and the screams and the prayers and the clawing and the trying to get on the boat. But the door was closed. Can you imagine what those kids felt like then? When all of a sudden Ham, Sham, and was like, <laughs> it didn't matter to me what kind of jeans I was wearing, I'm happy to be here. You understand what I'm saying? To where all of a sudden the water started rising. Listen to me. And there was no opportunity after that. Because there was, the doors closed, mass panic. You ever heard in the scripture where it says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? I think that's what was going on right here. As the water rose, people were in mass panic. When you look at the Bible in the book of Revelation, it talks about the return of Christ. You know, the world's staring at the sky, mocking, making fun, jesting, ridicule. The more that you follow Jesus, the more that you're going to hear it. Very difficult to raise your kids to be ridiculed in that aspect and made fun of and all those things. But listen to me. There's going to come a day when the trumpet's going to sound. That day's coming. What's it going to be like in that day? Because here's the thing. Think about this. Noah and his family went into the ark, the poorest people on earth. They invested everything, they gave everything, and they left everything for one purpose. That they spent their entire life investing in. Poorest people on earth. A year later, a little over a year later, when the ark 
set to rest and the waters were gone and God opened the door to an absolute whole new world. They stepped out, the richest people on earth. The Bible said the meek shall inherit the earth. They owned it. They owned everything. And the best part of that is Noah looked around and all of his family present and accounted for. Now you listen to me. You're either going to raise your kids like the world, for the world, to get everything out of the world they can get. But there's going to come a day where we're going to stand before the Lord. A day of judgment. And my question is, when you look around, is everybody going to be present and accounted for? Did you do everything that you could do to influence that? Because I'm going to tell you something, I would rather be the poorest man in this world and stand there on that day and look and see children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. People I didn't in my family that I haven't even met yet that went, thank you for your influence. Thank you that you, you cared enough. Thank you that you stood for the truth. Thank you that you were different. Thank you that you showed us a way. Rather than look around and be empty. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, understand this, there is a judgment coming. I think a judgment is coming on this nation swiftly. A whole lot faster than what we think. And it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect everybody in your household. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, all the money in the world, all the education in the world can't save your kids. And salvation begins with you. Maybe you're a dad here this morning. And I just praise God, Corey trusted Jesus. There's implications for him for generations. Trust in Jesus. He's going to lead his family in a different way. Maybe you're a mom or dad this morning. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Start a family of grace today. Give your life to the Lord. Show your children who Jesus is and lead them in the way of the Lord so that they can be saved and have that opportunity. And if you're here and you've got kids in your family that are unsaved, then make that commitment to God, whatever I need to do to be different, whatever you need to change, whatever I need to sacrifice, whatever I've got to do so that my kids can see you and me, God change me first. Man, because the world needs to see the Lord. And if you're clinging to the world, you'll never get your art built. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for your grace. God, for amazing grace. The change that it brings in our lives and the hope that it brings. I thank you, Lord, no matter how dark the world is. God, we can have an absolute joy and a hope and a peace that you provide for us, Lord. And I pray for someone here today that doesn't know you, God, that they'd humble themselves today and find grace in your sight, find grace at the cross of Jesus. Father, I pray for, for your people, God, that you would awaken our hearts, knowing the power of the word when we live it out in our lives, the testimony that these men had to their kids. God, let us live that testimony out before ours. I know there are parents here today whose children don't know you, grandchildren don't know you. God, I pray that we wouldn't just let that go, but God, we'd bring it before you day in and day out. God, you would show us how we can influence them in a way that they can see grace and truth in their life and desire to know you. Lord, I just pray that you move here today in the hearts of people. In Jesus' name, amen.
just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't Just sing another song and take me back to where we start. I open up my heart to you. Oh, I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry. I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we start I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence Oh, I just want to sit here at your feet You don't know me 